0: Boko Tov, everybody. Um, we are in the um, middle of a long Agatha, which uh, sort of started by a whole discussion about the uh, about the tra- tra- crossing of the Yardane at the time of Yahshua, but it's also digressing to other related topics, and uh, now we're in the middle of a whole story about the Miraglim. Um, and uh, most recently we mentioned the uh, fact that, uh, you know, it, um, it uses the singular about... Um, uh, when, it was, when it spoke to the, the miragim arriving in Chevron, by aluba by of Chevron, and the Gemara has it that only uh, Kalev went to Chevron to pray for uh, protection from the Avot. Uh, Bichua um and Rashi points out nicely that that's the uh, that that's the gives sort of the nice closure or uh, parallel um, to the fact that in the time of Yeshua, it's Kalev who gets Chevron. So that's the I uh, shared. So, they're, so they're, you know, it's a nice way of uh, sort of connecting those loose ends. Interesting little ptosis here about Avot Ha'bitro Le'Rachamim That the dead don't know anything. So well, how could you be praying that the uh, you know, uh, Avot pray for you? Um, they don't know anything. They're, they're in the other world even the Avram Yitzch and Yaakov are not aware about what goes on in this world Okay, that they don't know directly but they get like a little uh, they, they get informed you should be aware that it's been prayed down there in the lower spheres there's been prayers for you to make uh, the following prayers. You know, it's been prayed that you should uh, pray on behalf of them, so they don't directly hear the prayers, but they get like their uh, weekly summary of events of the, <laughs> that the Monday morning morning their Monday morning update. Exactly. Uh, it has that same idea about going out to the uh, you know cemeteries that the masim should pray. Uvda the um dirabi davua doing you know uh, prostrating on the uh, on the uh, grave site of of his fathers so uh yeah this is obviously a um, a practice specifically that's uh, encoded in Minha again in, uh about about during the um you know sarash um, me and it's one that there's a some debate about, not because about the question that Tosos raises about will it do any good, do the Mason know, you know, what you're praying for, but because here, the, here the, the point is that you pray for them to pray for you. So it's more like you request of them to make the pray on your behalf um, and um, you know if you take a look one of them was just going to the Beit HaKfarot somehow stirs up their prayers on your behalf and the concern is that doesn't always remain that way you know when people go there um, you know it's very likely that they actually direct their prayers to the Matin not just saying please pray to God on my behalf and so on um, so um, you know then it really becomes a fila to some being other than God which obviously um, is... Uh and you know, uh, Rambam, I mean, I mean, would be horrified at that. And um, um, you know, even in a way of like, uh, of um, of doing it as a form of an intermediary. But when it stops being an intermediary and when it starts being the thing that is being prayed to, you know, sometimes that line gets quite blurry. So there are people that are very against this practice. Um, even the role of intermediary, you know, on the one end we have a shaliach tzibur who sort of represents us, um, you know, and that was many the whole machnise rachamim which is angels that you're sort of asking to be machnise rachamim but at what stage um, you know um, are do intermediaries become um, you know it's a little bit different the shliach tzibor first of all it's this worldly it's representative it's not so much of an intermediary um, and um, it's a little different we're sort of seen as praying together with you know the but not that he's, he's sort of doing it on our, you know, on our behalf. So the problem about in general how comfortable somebody feels about the idea of intermediary, and number two, about specifically about the blurring of the line, you know, uh, that's a real issue. You know, on the other hand, like we have even, you know, in the Torah, you know, Moshe prays on behalf of Kli et cetera, and at a time when people could control their world a lot less they can, than they can control their world nowadays, and there was a lot more anxiety. You wanted uh, to use all, you know, you you, you felt you. Wanted wanted to, uh, you know, use any, you know, any tools at your disposal and to, to help, uh, you know, have your prayers heard by God. So it does raise a lot of interesting questions. Yes, Charlie.
1: As you, you might guess uh, from my background, uh, this is very upsetting because many Christian groups never pray to God. They only pray to Him.
0: Uh-huh. But do they say, please ex bring my prayers to God, or do they pray directly to they pray
1: many Christians pray directly to an a uh,
0: a deceased a saint uh-huh. yeah and they pray that the saint should answer their prayers saint so, please help me saint say so and, and so
1: so they have different saints in different to divide the say say think such and such, help me with this problem. Right.
0: So that becomes the actual sort of uh, thing that is being prayed to. It's not that they don't right.
1: believe in God, it's that they don't pray to
0: God. Right. Which is interesting. You know, I mean, look, it gets to the whole challenge about a non-physical God and why for Christianity having a God take a human form or whatever just makes God something much more relatable. So it's not, it's surprising that you also can pray, therefore, to dead saints, which are used to walk in this earth and are people, you know, were people and therefore something that more can be, you know, no closer to you and related to you, so it's understandable. Yeah. Not
2: close to the concept
0: of zchuta vot. Zchuta vot is not how you're directing your prayers. That's that you merit from the uh, zchut that's being carried down through well, the generations. You
2: stand before God and you say, maybe yeah. You need this Yeah,
0: that's very different. I mean, it relies and
2: on a. The difference. Uh, yeah. It's not. Mean. It's not. So different that it's like way off the continuum. It's
0: like right the next... No, I don't think so. I don't think so. One requires a certain just metaphysics about how does God does his accounting. And the other is actually the question about the nature of worship. I think that they're very different. Um, okay, so anyway, so now we pick up... Um, Okay, so we had this whole discussion about the Chevron, Shevash and Nif Nisa. We were discussing a little bit about Chevron. And the Gemara says like this Vayashuvu, um, is that we're up to? Vayashuvu? Last line on Lamadar Amabet. Vayashuvu Mitor Haaretz Mikaitz Abram Yom. And they returned from uh, scouting out the land. Vayyachu Vayavo. So why does it say they went and they came? So what, I mean, they're seeing, the Rabbis making some parallel about the, about the buzzer that talks about them going, and the buzzer that talks about them coming. Um but, um Yochanan, Mishim Shim Ben Yochai, Maki Shalicha Labia. So it's... like the old thing. Yeah, exactly. Mabia, Mabia Be'et the same way when they returned, um, they, they were in, they, you know, they were in, uh, a kahoots, and they had a bad, um, like they, you know, uh, re- what would you say? A bad report. No, no, no. Etsa means that they had an etsa. They, con- they, 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 you know, they had a, they, they themselves had a collusion, right? Alvelyicha um, right. Even when they left, they had already left with a similar type of a plan, of an evil plan. Okay. Um, okay. So yes, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. Here are the fruit. The only little bit of problem is that they're too strong for us. So that's a pretty radical shift. So I'm saying it's beautiful. It's flowing with milk and honey. And then they say, but here's the problem. If any Lashen Hara that you do not have some truth to it, that a good liar knows how to make his lies very close to the actual truth, uh, because then it just makes it much more believable and it resonates with people. So if you don't have, so any and Hara that you don't have something true in it, in the beginning, it will not survive. People won't, uh, it won't have any lasting effect. But if it's close to the truth, then people believe it. Uh, Interesting here, you know, the the Chavetz Chaim is very makhid to distinguish between and Hara and Moshev Shemra. that Lashon Hara is true gossip um, and Moshe Shemra is slander, is false gossip, but here the Gemara is not doing it. Lashon Hara also has a much more generic meaning, which just means evil speech, harmful speech, um, and it could be of many sorts. But anyway, but here clearly we're talking about slander. Okay, Vayaz Kaleva Veta'a, Mel Moshe. And Kalev silenced the people to Moshe. So, Amar Rabba to silent, so that's good onomatopoeia, Vayahas. Okay, so he hushed. might be a close one. Okay, anyway, he them, but it's using it differently. He seduced them with words, um, or he uh, incited them. Incited them, uh, but it's sort of a combination. Padach so to come story, So Yeshua started to try to talk. Because the whole question is, why is it calling? Why not Yoshua? No, no, no. Yoshua tried to quiet the people to stand up to them. Okay, i will relay that, but they said to him, "Dein rush Katiya. Yemal, this, the head of the uh, cut-off one should speak? So what's Rosh Ketio? So Razi says it means that Yeshua didn't have children. So they said, yeah, he doesn't have a stake in it. He's not going to inherit the land. So therefore, so why should we listen to him? He's a you know, he doesn't have a stake. You know, he, yeah, he's, he's, he, he, he's uh, talking without a vested interest. So, well, we don't believe him. So the another interpretation, the, uh, the Aruch, says that Rosh Ketiyah is because his name started with a Yud. You know, Moshe called Yehoshua. So he's got a tiny little letter at the beginning of his name. So it was just like an insult. Exactly. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know yeah, why that was...
2: A, a Yud is like a cut-off letter. Yeah,
0: exactly. A Yud is a tiny little cut-off letter. So this shrimp should talk, you know, whatever. It's just a way of silencing him. But they saw that whatever they would do, you know, you saw that, that they find some way to just be dismissive of him. So, Amar, Enish to Ina, if I try to talk, so they'll say something about me and they'll silence me they'll muzzle me I'm um, so he said to them so I have, I, what am I going to do to get them on my side? do you think this is the only thing that the son of Amram did to us? Notice he calls Moshe ben Amram yeah. as a way of being like you know dismissive and right the, the degrading towards Moshe a degrading term right do you think this, that, the, this son of Amram this is the only thing he did to us? So Salim began to speak on they thought he was going to say something bad about Moshe Ishtaku um, so they were silent they wanted to hear it, to feed their flames. Amalohu, um, he said to them, So look at all the things he did to us. He did all these miracles. Yom Haastu, Sulamot, even if he said to make uh, ladders and to try to go up to heaven, would be not... Above us, right? I understand. Do you think? Alonalev, Yom Haastu, playing off Alonalev. Wherever he tells us to go, we all go. Look at everything he's done to us. It's always it's been proven faithful in his promises and able to do anything even the miraculous Okay, it's, the inverse of the oh I was going to say that I'm glad you said well, that it's the inverse of what the Khmert said before about the Lush and Hara that starts with a Davar MS. <laughs> so here was a Davar Sheker to get to a Davar MS. right he, was, he made them believe that he was on their side the as a, I, know, similar, I know but it was a similar it was a similar in parallel oh that's a good example Comes to bury Caesar not to praise him right right good example Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Um excellent tie in, yeah. okay. Um all right. Um, don't let me start I'll start quoting whole passages. Okay, so it's like this. Okay. Um, okay. Uh um, okay. okay, where are we? Okay. He the people are greater than us. I'm going to be of That was a huge thing that they said, not a good thing, a huge terrible thing. mi greater than us. I'll take men and now Rashi says it's not really a different word here, but it's a way of understand of explaining. Do not understand this to mean greater than us. Ela Mimenu, greater than he. Greater than it's the same word. But Rashi says so Rashi takes out the so it changes the gear so but the point is it's a nice way of underscoring what mimenu means. It doesn't mean mimenu us, it means greater than he, greater than God. To the Yokel it's as if they were saying a few bala in the mishan. Even the owner, you know, can't take his vessels out of his own house. As Kanan is like you know God's place. They're so strong, even God, even they're even greater than God. Even God can't uh, sort of do anything there. But Yeah, exactly. Um, so um, um, I do want to say an interesting thing about the Um There's a uh, you know Rambam writes that one of the um, uh, about the whole uh, famous Rambam who says that one of the Yidgimilitarim is believing that God not you know believing that God does not have a body and that somebody who believes that God has a body um, is uh, you know and it doesn't matter even if they came to it because of some you know mistaken belief and they you know even they, you know they should they should learn from people who know better etc etc Ramam was not it's where you might hear have heard the phrase never is still not karis you know I don't care whether it was his fault or not anyway the Rambam wrote about this extensively it doesn't matter. You have such a corrupt belief of God and, so on that now you have to realize that at that time there were a lot of people that believed that God had some form of some ethereal body. I mean you take all of the metaphors in the Torah and you read them literally oh, we are right, right, you know exactly you know so we are uh, some people actually question you know question you know we sort of see you know when we read Rambam and his big fight against the anthropomorphisms, I think we probably imagine yeah, there were a few outliers that he had a silence, but I think you know uh, scholars have questioned like maybe significant segments of the population it's question exactly how pervasive it was also among scholars, among the common people anyway, so right there on the Rambam rights, he says, how could he say that? Hakidoli people greater than he said that, that, that God has a body so how could he say in lo so people have said okay Rabbi, you want to defend the people that said that and believed that but how could you say people greater than how many people were there that you could put in that the category of greater than the Rabbah? so so somebody suggested I forget who it was might have been the Chazanish somebody suggested that the way to read it is him from among us not greater than he, but it's the reverse of the Mimenu. I'll take the Mimenu, Ella Mimenu. <laughs> there were great people from among us, the Jewish people, who believed that. Uh, anyway, I don't know if it's a shot, but it was a good save. Okay.
2: <laughs>
0: so, I don't know, but okay. Um, there was one of the Balayatosos uh, believed that got in a body. So I forget who it was, but okay. Um, moving on. Um, uh, okay, it's a land that eats in, its inhabitants. Ah, yes, I arranged that, but I was plan- I was doing it for their good. Um, and they interpreted it for bad. Um, I planned the whole thing for good. Wherever they went, a important person from among them died. Didn't do. So wherever they went, the people would all be distracted below um, the they wouldn't ask who are these strange people traveling through the land. the Igadami and some say Eov nach no Eov died, to and everybody. They say that everybody was busy with the Hespit of Eo, which is an interesting parallel about them going up beforehand, you know with Yaakov and all of we had an it about that, and about how everybody was involved in the Hespit of Yaakov you know that was an, almost like a precursor to their going to the land, like if I of myself with Simon Bunning, leaving me try and going to go into the land. So now here everybody else is involved in a Hespit of a great person, and the one great non-Jewish person that we sort of know of um, you know is uh, Eov. Of course it still is interesting because since Eo was such a right man, and he was recognized as great. It's sort of like, you know, you, know, you want to sort of cast the canoning as like Rishoyan, right? You know, if recognizing such a great person. So Rashi says that what a, making it EO does is it explains that their protection has been removed from them that Eov Zuchus no longer is there to protect them once he's dead, now, you know of course, where was of living? Was he? I mean, the, the psukim say he was living in Eretz Uts which is not exactly Eretz Yisrael, last I checked so I don't know, anyway, yes
1: There are other Gemaras that just savagely criticize Eov for, uh, for not praying to God, to not having proper beliefs.
0: Right. But uh best you know, I guess the thinking was it was the best they could do. Um, so <laughs> all right. So anyway, um okay. Um Okay, and they interpreted all that evil, oh my God, it's a land that consumes its inhabitants. Um, and we were in our own eyes like uh, like grasshoppers, and so we were in their eyes. I'm They were liars. i like that's a Hiddish. I don't know, but I, until now they haven't said anything that exactly was a lie, right? I mean, chalas Kalicioyotra has an interpretation, right? Somehow you know you it's all the question of how do you interpret the fact. But here he's saying they were actually lying, okay. Right? So... Um, uh, we are in our own eyes like grasshoppers okay that makes sense we were in their eyes how did you know what you looked like in their eyes and says, the Gemara says no that's not true you don't have to say they were lying so when they would um, you know sort of uh, uh, tend to the mourners um, under the cedar trees they would give the mourners these um, you know meals um, so that's havro okay, so, um, they would, because everybody was, de- you know, they had all these, uh, all these uh, deaths that were going on, so they would do it underneath these cedar trees, the and when Neishel saw them coming to the uh, cedar trees, so they uh, needed to go hiding, so they went up and they climbed up into the trees, and then they heard them saying, we see people that look just like uh, grasshoppers in the, uh, in the trees, so we knew what they we were in their eyes now why do you think they introduced the trees in this in this story why did not they just say they heard them saying
1: it's, uh, First
0: of all, eight to sell and if you talk about the oh human, maybe know, I, I think it's a simpler answer how did they get cl- they're, close they're close so tall how do you hear what they're saying you got to get up there so, <laughs> so that's how they come at them in the trees okay um okay um the hope people lifted up their voice, um, and they cried on that night. Okay, that was the night of Tisha so it's like There's some emphasis about it that night. That night is a momentous night, a night of significance. They cried for nothing. I'll give them something to cry about. So I'll make it a night of crying for future generations. And that was the first sort of, uh, you know, the first of the things that happened on Tisha B'av was the report of the spies. That's the reverse, Rabbi W. you're talking about. Here's the sort of carrying off, paying back the sin over many generations. Um, and the whole, the whole congregation wanted to stone them with uh, stones. And then immediately to sort of inter, you know, interrupt God's uh, presence, God's the honor, the Kvot Hashem was appeared in Omoe. It's <laughs> sort of like, sort of similar to the previous statement of Mimenu. They threw their stones at God because they're reading it. <laughs> to, to stone them and the honor of God. They were trying to even stone God. <laughs> and the people who, uh, you know, spread the evil report um, died in a plague. In, 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 a, in, a, in a horrible plague. So what's the ra'ah? So, so it's haaretz ra'ah. Or Raaba ma'gefa seems to be a little possibly how the gemara is reading it. So Rashi says it's ba ma'gefa, the like some particularly horrible one. Others say the word ra'ah is being read in conjunction with ma'gefa. It was a very, it was a very uh, unusual death. Um, so this is the dracha that this Rashi law gave, It teaches you should start with Their their tongues sort of uh, roll down like stretched down and went to their belly buttons. And the worms would came out of their tongues to obviously, you know, emphasize that they spoke lashon um, Hara and they would go and you know and how they misused their speech and go into their belly buttons. They would do a cycle. They'd go from their belly buttons to their uh, you know to their to, to their tongue and from their tongue to their belly buttons. You know, they died with Asgara, which is uh, the croup right? Because obviously these are a plague, you know, it's all about evil speech. So it's about the tug or the throat, and that's where it attacks. The interesting about the t- t- Tabor seems to be because, you know, when the Gemara and Yoma discusses... Well, Tabor is the center, but also when the Gemara discusses, like, how do you check if somebody is alive? Do you check their breathing or do you check on Tiburo until the, what do you call it, the belly button, that that also was like the center of life, was it? Keep, you know, was an understanding. So basically, it's like, you know, going into their essence and coming out of their essence. Okay. Now we're back to Yeshua. That was a little digression to the Miraglin Back well, to Yeshua. not
2: going in and out of their body, were they?
0: Yes, they were. What do you mean? They're
2: going inside, They're yeah, they went
0: from their tongues into their body, and then came back out. And out again. Yeah, yeah, again. yeah. It's like you know about you know about you know about the water cycle. This was the worm cycle, okay? <laughs> the the key- water key- cycle came after the water. Right. Okay. The Now, when the last one of uh, Israel left, now we're back to the rocks and the be'er heitev. Okay. Right. Still. Yeah. Seems to be when the last uh, of the of the Israelites left the Jordan. the lim koman the. To return to its, their its place. When the Kohanim, um, you know, uh, left, went out of the Jordan. They do, the, when they when they detached the, uh, the, the the you know the, the souls of the feet of the Kohanim. Or I'm sorry, they, they 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 went to the dry land. So once their souls hit dry land, and the waters of the Jordan. So this is a quote of a pasuk. Went back to their place. And they. Return to their prior strength. call G'dotav on all of its, uh, you know, banks, banks, right? Because it was the early psukim. It actually interestingly wasn't brought into Gemara, but says that it was like after all of the snows had melted and whatever, so it was like the Jordan was at its strongest. Nimsa now, what the Gemara reads this is because if you read the psukim, it's actually quite interesting. Because when does the Jordan split? As soon as the Kohenim enter it, right? Mm -hmm. So as soon as they enter it, the Jordan splits. They're on which side of the Jordan, the east or the west bank? The East Bank. Everybody passes, and then it says, and then they stepped out of the Jordan. So they stepped out, they're stepping back out on the East Bank. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, they're on the wrong side, <laughs> they needed to have walked across the Jordan. Okay? So, now you could say that that's what it means. lot that they went up after they had crossed it. But anyway, but, it's, but, but then it says, alav <laughs> harava, they're sort of reading it like their feet just took one step back and they stepped on the dry land. So the Gemara says, as a result of that, we got a bit of a problem here. Aaron <laughs> the Aaron and the carriers in the karnim are all on the east side of the Jordan. The Israel mitzadachah, and the israel is on the west side of the Jordan so how did they get over so it's so aron nosavavah. Ah, the Aaron lifted them up and carried them miraculously carried them over so the Aron was no say it lifted those that were carrying it, it the, same okay. the, lukos also. the older lukos right lukos carried them exactly the Aron first passed without the kohanim, meaning it's logically it's a strange process The Quanine the Aaron answered the Kohanim passed. The Aaron didn't pass by itself. It's the Kohanim passed and they brought with them the Aaron. No, the Aaron passed and it was the Aaron that brought over the Kohanim. Okay, listen to him. Not appreciating the power of the Aaron, this is what Uza was punished for. Um, as the verse says, they came to the threshing floor of Kidon. This is when they were moving the Aaron. From, uh, you know, trying to bring it, um, uh, to, uh, uh, to, yeah, to Jerusalem, to, to by, De- by, King, by King, David. And then they were passing through this Goran Kidon, and he thought, and looked like, you know, that the uh, wagon that it was on was slipping, and it was, he come to that the, the cattle slipped, and he tried to catch the Aaron. Lechos at and then he was smitten right there, you know, um, at, you know, at, you know, on the spot. So, Amelok Baruch Baruchu. So, God said to him, na Uzzah, no sav nasa the Aaron lifted up those who lifted it. Atzmo it oh, so can take care of itself. It doesn't need you. so you didn't appreciate the power of the Aaron. and God's anger was kindled against Uza, and He smote him there on the error. So it's interesting. He calls it an error, a shal, right? It's not amazing. I mean, he was trying to do something good, but nevertheless, it's sort of like one of these, you know, Kodesh parchum, type of a thing. Or you, this was something you needed to understand. I mean, you know, the other point. About it also is that um, it's that you know it's sort of also like you know the uh, what do you call Nadav and and so on. Um, somebody has uh, likened it to sort of like you know this, the power of the presence of God, like sort of like a power plant, right? You know, which is like you got all those things, you know, you know, you know, all those and bones around a power plant, right? You know, they, you know, vo- high voltage, you know, uh, you know, so it's a danger, etc. So you get too close unprotected, right? It gives life and it gives power to the whole world, but you get too close unprotected protecting you, you do the wrong thing and it's also the consequences are very severe Rabbi, yes this
2: go, this, but when the crossed the yard the Kohanim didn't go first, they were going first, correct?
0: they were, but they were at the east side of the Yardin the, the Puzzle says as soon as they stepped in the Yardin the water stopped so it never says that they themselves crossed, uh, went across the yard so it's
2: not that the Kohanim were walking and as soon as the, the um the bottom of their feet touched the water the water parted allowing everybody else to
0: no i mean you water. look at the psukim the psukim actually yes. sound like as soon as they as soon as they stepped in the water the stopped water parted. yeah exactly so uh, i always understood okay. I just to that, to that the water was parting as they, they were walking. walking yeah i don't think it says that in the psukim the psukim says as soon as they stepped in okay um now so he was they was they
2: opinion.
0: yes <laughs>
2: i learned it up i think that is the worst thing Water split and they went through like we did.
0: No, no, no. They stopped. Right. They didn't split. The water
2: stopped. Yes. And it formed a wall.
0: Yes. Yeah, that's clear. Yes. 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 That's yes. clear in yes. the past. Yes. Yeah, because it's all right. <laughs> it's all right. No, it was not like Yam Suf. I assume that was mentioned yesterday yeah, because as long as you stop it in one place, then yeah. the rest yeah. of it empties yeah. out. But then, unlike Yam Suf, you have the problem of the oncoming water, yeah. which is what the Gemara 100%. dealt with. Yeah. <laughs> all right, moving on. Okay, so he, so he was smitten there on the error. Even though it was just an error, Rabbi Yochanan Rabbi al iskei shalu, due to acts of error, it was, it was an error. Nevertheless, that was the consequence, which is pshat of the pasuk. Chadamar bifanav, so shal can mean to like to uh, fall off, um, to so it means he he relieved himself and in its really presence.
1: Amina, it? No,
0: Rashi right, says like and nashal oh, like okay. so to drop something. Anyway, so that, on the one hand, that's obviously not pshat of the pasuk, but trying to maybe make sense. Of why the consequences were so severe. Yeah, All right. He died there with Aaron. I'm Reb Yochanan. Now it's instance that is consistent with Rabbi Yochanan, who acknowledged that it was an error and he did not make him into a Russia. So Rabbi Yochanan says, "Uza Olam haba." Uza, okay. He, he, he suffered the consequences but at the end of the day it was an error and therefore he's go, he goes into the world to come with the Aaron of God the same the Aaron will last forever Uzzah will come into the world to come okay and David was fiery anger right it says so parallel to God being fiery angry against Uzzah David is fiery angry that God had done, done this thing um, so it doesn't say he was angry. Angry at God, he's angry about the fact that God had done this. I'm Rabbi panav The vayichar means his face blackened like a like a like like a like a like a a wafer that's you know that's cooked over the coals. Um, El Sagmar says, how do you darshan vayichar that way? Anytime it says vayichar, you'll say that that's what it means. I mean, vayichar is a pretty common word in the Torah. So how do you interpret it here as a special meaning? So the Gemara says no. Normally when it says it says, which means that the literally by the way, it means the nostrils, the nostrils again, flared, right? like it like they burned, like you know, smoke rose from the nostrils. That's the image of the af. <laughs> but without the af. It's the uh, word is strange. What got fiery? It was fiery to him? Like you, lo- you lose the whole image without the nose. Okay? ha It doesn't say the nose, the nostrils, so therefore we interpret it differently. All right. Why was David punished? Meaning, meaning, it's funny, I mean, Uzzah we understand was punished, but also this was, you know, David this was supposed to be like the, you know, the, the, the highest uh, day, like he was bringing the Aaron, and, you know, and then this tragedy occurred, so to some degree, David was, deserving of it as well what did David do to be deserving of it because he in his own way did not give the necessary uh, weight and honor to the Torah there's a parallel here yeah. how did he not give the weight of honor? well they, that's true too but that actually was seen as proper honor interestingly the dancing but it was uh, but here it was that he got I mean you're right it is connected to his dancing before it but it's one thing to dance before it as a way of showing joy it's another thing to refer to the Torah itself as Zmirot as like you know uh, Tunes as uh, um, as as uh, what would be the word for what's the nearest not hymns um, songs yeah you don't you know it's one thing to rejoice by dancing it's another thing to call it a song uh, of course there's a <laughs> But but zimirot has something is also weighty is like poetry you know zemer is like a common song shene was zimirot hayuli your edicts were to me like zimirot Veit Mugurai, in the place where I was dwelling. Now, of course, what that also means is that you enjoy the Torah. It's a source of joy, which is similar to the dancing before us. But there's ways of expressing that it's a source of joy, right, without calling them zmiro, which is actually recasting the very words themselves that's you know a, what you know, but in other words, yeah right. but the TMR is mirot not, not right. the Chukim the Chukim are not mirot it's that's that's as theologically negative, Whereas negative. problematic yeah yeah it's interesting, so interesting. I know because the Torah should be Sha'ashua problem. you know a plaything. but I think the problem is that if you use a metaphor like you say you know Torah is like you know Sha'ashua it's a plaything, thing right so then clearly it's not not reframing the very words, it's clearly a metaphor, but calling them wrote, which is another genre of writing, you know, it's like oh, it's just as good as reading like a like a John Le Carre novel it's just so good, you know, so it's like <laughs> so, you know, calling it a well, how, how's it different than calling it a plaything, that's a toy no, one remains a metaphor the other is recasting it as a different genre of writing, and that's it seems to be what is sort of bothering the Gemara, it's also is looking for parallel, I think to the Uza story. Uza store. Okay. Um, okay.
2: I'm surprised you didn't say
0: Robert Ludlum. Robert Ludlum. Oh, that's that's Robert Ludlum's awful. I would never say that. Okay. okay. <laughs> yes. But the
1: rest- the the very last
0: commandment in the Torah is the shirah I said that I mentioned shirah but shirah still is like poetry shirah is elevated writing and he wrote very much like just a song okay so okay so the Gemara says I'm a local God says just like you know flutter your eye away from it and it will disappear it's so precious you have to you know be so careful with every word and so easy to lose You're calling them Zmirot. I don't really get the connection between the fact that it's easy to lose Torah, you know, if you don't pay sufficient attention to the idea of Zmirot. Like, like I don't know. I mean, there's other ways of describing the weightiness of Torah. I'm not exactly sure about why this is particularly relevant to the fact that they were called Zmirot. Anyway, so maybe, uh, maybe it's because of this next line. Because you don't treat them weighty, you know, you don't pay sufficient care, it's just so fun to learn Torah. You know, if it's, it's always just fun, and it's never serious, then you won't. Then you're not paying sufficient care to it, and you're going to suffer as a consequence. This is why it says of not paying sufficient care. Why? Because I'll make you make a mistake that even school children know better. Right in the token it says the aron has to be carried by the shoulder. You don't put it on the wagons. Right? They so didn't use any of the wagons. And you put it on a wagon. So well, you know, and which is true before the whole Peretz Be'uza the problem started what's he doing carrying it on a wagon doesn't he know I mean seriously that's a good question Timoko go Stilbeis Rabban So says it's a consequence of having too much fun with the Torah you know you got to treat it seriously as well or you make these mistakes okay Vayachban Shei Shemesh aron. now because we're talking about the power of the Aron we're uh, uh, sort of free associating here so when the Aron was on its way back remember the time of Akoin when it was taken captive by the police and then they retrieved it so it says that the. Actually, uh, the, oh, they
1: kind of sent it back.
0: to. You. They sent it back, yeah, because it, was, it wasn't doing any good for them. So then it says it smote the people of De Chemesh because they saw the Aron. They were smitten. So they also, like, Uzza was smitten, but they were smitten just by looking at the Aron. Mshum Yerov, just because they looked at it, they were smitten. So, I mean, well, if you read, if you watched Raiders of the Lost Ark, you would yeah, see. Really? Anyway, so, <laughs> the like, Gemara doesn't buy that. So Rabbi are streaming with No, the problem was was that they were looking on, look, looking on while they were going about their daily job. You know, they were they were harvesting in the field. There's the arrow passing through, and you're just continuing continuing to harvest. Sort of reminds you of the Hasidic story about who is it? The, not the. Uh, says, you know, the the, the wagon driver who's uh, changing his wheels and davening mincha at the same time and like the the Litzvah looks at him and says, oh my God, I can't believe this, you know, this wagon driver. There he's davening at the same time his hands are filled with grease he's changing his wheels and the Chassid looks up to God and says like, oh, your people, even when their hands are filled with grease they're still thinking about you. So, anyway, (laughs) but I guess that didn't lie. (laughs) They weren't davening. They were just looking on. They weren't stopping to do anything to pay attention to do what? Okay. Anyway, it wasn't just that they were looking on and they were impassive, you know, or, or whatever, you know, uh, they, they, without giving it any weight. You know, no. They actually said something to express this. So they said the following. Man amricha di like, who had got you so angry that you got to get angry at us? Like, you know, what is this iron? It smote the police game. Like, you know, who, whoever, uh, you know, annoyed you that you were so annoying to us. And now what are you... Who, who, who appeased you? You know, so they were like speaking to it in a derogatory fashion, also personified fashion. Anyway, so they looked at it dismissively or without giving it enough weight. Um, and smote among the people... Se, uh, you know, uh, seventy-five thousand people. So that's a lot. Uh, first of all, how many people were there in Beit So maybe above Rebbe There was all, it was only seventy people that died. Um, but they were so important people that they were worth fifty thousand. You know that there, there were fifty thousand people that died. That sort of, because the Pesach divides the fifty thousand and the seven hundred. In Sanhedrin, and each one was as big of a Talmud like the waiting is like the, like the Sanhedrin. Okay, back to um back to the uh velvet transporting it. Yeah.
1: Um numbers in the order. Yes, I mean there are, and also in the Talmud, there's some huge numbers of the sizes of the armies.
0: Yeah, that, uh, I yeah. There. I don't know. There are some uh, Rishonim or whatever that's, that 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 do say by some of them that they're like uh, that they're uh, you know guzma that they're used as a you know just as a large number, but um, you know you have to be careful with that. But yeah, okay. Now back to Dov- now back to um, David when they were carrying the Aaron. When they were, those that were carrying their roan took just six steps, they, they, they sacrificed an ox and a, what's a Marie? A fattened ox, I think. What's a fattened cow? What do the accounts say a Marie is? An ox and a fatling. Fatling. Mm-hmm. What's a fatling? A fattened young, young, young animal? Like calf? Okay, I don't know. Anyway, a uh, Marie.
1: I guess I guess you
0: gotta know what a fat link is. Animal fat is for slaughter. Clearly. Okay, clearly. Okay. Um okay. Now, let's see, but another pasta so can give you a yummy when it repeats this says Shiva Parin the violin, It wasn't that one and one. It wasn't uh but it was seven, seven oxen and seven uh, rams. So I'm going to have his papa, and also it was rams instead of a Marie. I'm going to have papa bar shmore. I'll call psia shore Marie. No, it says six steps. But really, for every step they took, they did a they did an ox and a fatling. I'll call sheesh for But every six steps, they did shivaparim for shivayim. So that's a lot of animals. So I'm going to lay rapkiz. I'm going to lay this He didn't say where you're going to get all the animals, but he said you're going to sell your linds. <laughs> land with Bamot every uh, every step. They have to build a new bummer. So, I don't think that's the problem. The problem is, is like, you know, like it, just, oh, yeah. it doesn't make sense that they built a bummer every step. Go the simple sense of the first Pasuk. Every six steps they did a shore Marie, which is still also a lot of Bamot. but in every set of six of the sixes, then and shiva with Shiva elim. Okay, so that's how we reconcile that.
1: So these are presumably Ola the offerings in each
0: step. Presumably, yeah. That's a lot of animals. That's a lot of animals. Um, see, Kidon that Nachon. One verse refers to it as Kidon, and one verse refers to it as Nachon. Uh, so which is, it was Goren Kidon or Goren Nachon with this event of Uza happened. Originally it was Kidon, which is a word that means destruction. It was so Nachon, but in the end it became proper. Why? Because it, since it stayed there, you know, at the, uh, you know, they left the Aaron there, the of dome, you know, um, it was Oved um, HaDomi, and then his house was blessed as a result of it, and so on, so in the end it brought about blessing. Right. Rashi has a different Gersa which is where he actually quotes a Medrash that says that this place of Goren Kidon was actually the same place of uh, Arnona Yevusi, which was you know where they built the uh, sort of Mizbeach uh, and turns out to be Har Bayis. so of course it's a little funny that this would have happened at Har because then they mean that they already brought the arm where they needed to have brought it but anyway um, Rashi but, but then he says if that's true he suggests a different Gersa originally it was Nachon it was a place of sacrifice but in the end prophesying that the base of Midrash would be destroyed which does not seem to be shot at all of what's going on but I just did want to share with you Rashi brings the medrish that, that combines the place where the Arun was and do Kidon with the, uh, our known where the place where the Amnipayah um, had been. Yes, you had a question?
2: I did. Could you just remind us where was that link in the Midrash here that got us to Uda? I and mean, in other words, how did we get from the.
0: Because we were talking about the, uh, that's a good question, I'll have to remind myself. Oh, because we were talking about the uh, kohenim who carried the aron, the aron cr- carried them across the Yardane, So about the power of the aron. So since we're talking about the power of the aron, and that David made the mistake exactly. about you know with Uzav, here the aron was no Sayat, no sav, etc. Okay. Anyway, moving on, and the whole this whole thing comes because of the Mishnah mentioned about the brachos and the khalos yeah. that they did when they crossed the Yardane. So we were discussing the crossing of the Yardane. So the brachos and the Kwalos, which are which were and only only be on Kodesh. Okay. Um, now the Gemara continues. We're still in the story of crossing the Yarden and the bruch- uh, whatever, but uh, we're moving from the brachos and the koalos. Obviously, this does tie into the nem- things that are namar and b'chol Lashon Because even though the brachos and the koalos were in Hebrew, um, the Torah was written be'er when they crossed the Yardin The of any which is understood to be Shimim l'shon. So there you get the idea of many languages and ties back, of course, to that interesting, you know, fast, uh, uh, curious line that you had a day or two. Ago. Ago, which was the Torah, uh, whether the Torah was Ne'meris Bechol Ashon. What was the exact phrase of the Gemara? Whether it was kula, b'lashon Kodish kodesh, nemra or So does that mean that whether it was actually, you know, given like does it? Does it mean that it could be written? A sefer Torah can be written b'cholashon. I mean, in the end, it seems like the most conventional interpretation is is that whether it was a presumed that any type of recitation, ritual recitation based on the Torah, you know, could be b'cholashon that it validated the you know interpretations of the Torah even if it doesn't mean that the Torah itself like, we're not talking about the object of the Torah or how it was given in Harsinai but in terms of it being sort of used ritually it validates interpretation you know, you know many many, many, not say interpretations translations which does tie in to the fact that you know it does create a certain to this the air hey tave that they're doing when they're crossing of the shivim lashom that there's, there is idea of you know which is quite different than the Catholic Church you know or the you know or you know, the Christian you know until whatever until Martin Luther I mean but it wasn't Catholic yet but anyway you know there was only Latin and it was something to, to, to protect the people from you know it was something that you wanted to give everybody access to yes
2: this, this is um, <coughs> protecting the people so, there's a Chachamim or or the Shonim let, let's say if it could, the Bukhol Shonim could be read in the Beit Knesset let's say in Greek is the concept that it would be written in Hebrew letters
0: no no Tosos deals with that no Tosos says no 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 no, no. no, no. Tosos says you can't read it in a different language than it's written because then you're not reading it um, right, so it be like right 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 but the question is it's not but but uh, no but Tosus says. Tosos tries to move it away from the reading in the Beit Knesset he speaks about like the r- types of ritual recitations that we're dealing with in this parak. Mm-hmm. is the basic presumption when the Torah says say X right say you know you shall say these words is the basic presumption of the Torah say them in the original or is the basic presumption of the Torah okay, the say, them, of the say, say them in any translation so that's probably the, you know, the best understanding of B'chol Lashon but anyway it does again conceptually connect to B'chol Lashon the, the Be'er Hetev yes
1: uh, for putting this
0: parts of the Torah or even all the Torah on stones if they're outdoors they're eventually going to be alright so let's read a little about how good it was <laughs> ok there were three sets of stones that you didn't know that happened. Moshe erected them in before they crossed the Jordan. He began to explicate. So it connects the Be'er at the beginning of, uh, of Dvarim to the one at the end. So if he explicated them, he did a similar way of also creating a monument and writing them on the stones. Okay. In one that was done in the Jordan, Shenemar. Okay, the Echatim Gogal. And so that he erected them in the Jordan itself, but then he took them from there and he re erected them in the Gil- in Gilgal. Shanema, the each famous that they took from the Jordan, they erected in Gilgal okay uh, how did they write it because also remember the Torah says okay you shall take these stones and you shall plaster them with plaster so we want to understand how that works out the stones and the plaster and so on
1: so what
0: even way back then
1: Moshe Rabbein had a whiteboard
0: Okay, okay keep that in mind because it's going to be an interesting application they wrote it on the stones they wrote it on the stones those and then after they wrote on the stones they covered it up with plaster so presumably it means they carved it into the stones. you know otherwise nobody would be able to see it at all um, but, uh, but nevertheless you know even if it's carved into the stones if it's covered with plaster probably a little bit less readable which is what the Gemar is about to ask Amal Rabbi Shimon Rabbi Shimon who we we're going to see has a different interpretation about how they wrote it on the stones said to him how did the nations of that time learn to the whole purpose was to, it's very fascinating, right? It's not, you know, it's like taking for granted that the whole purpose of writing this, the Ere Tave, and then the Shivim was shown, is that you want, you know, if you're going into the land and creating, you know, a land of God's, you know, law and God's Torah and built on that, it's not that you want to sort of, you know, hoard that, you want that to be a model. And therefore, you want to be teaching. I mean, it's very powerful if you think about this, the going into the land, the Ere Tav, right? I mean, just think about that for a minute. The Pshad of the is, like, this is like the covenant, right? The this is the covenant that Gemara spoke about the tenai that Yeshua made in the middle of the Jordan you do the alot you're about to enter into the land the alot and the, the you know the kolos and the brachos like this is the consequence you're in this land for the purpose or based on this you know the, you know, the Torah and keeping the laws of the Torah etc. and that's the area the shot of the is you should all know what this Torah is and now we're completely reversing the focus you're going into the land and you have to use your presence in the land as a way that all the nations should learn Torah right so it's, it's really radically different than the than the shot of the psukim as opposed to like keeping the Torah as ours um, so anyway so his challenge was if it's covered up with plaster how do they learn it so we'll see in a minute what he says but Amar Lo Bini Yitzher Nassim Bema God gave them particular insight wisdom understanding the siihuu knew Tiran and they sent their scribes the killed at a seed and they pull, 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 and they uh, uh, peeled off the plaster the and they carried it with them. So you doesn't about a whiteboard. This is one of those things, those smart boards You push a button, and everything you write, right, it goes behind the wall, and somehow it takes a picture of it. So this is like a carbon copy. That's why they plastered it, because then they pulled off the plaster, and then actually it was the mirror image of it. But actually, it's really good because then you can use it to print, right? If but think about it, you've got now a perfect, right? You've got, that's exactly how it works. It's
2: Robo Daddy's silk silkscreen
0: uh-huh. Torah. Wow. <laughs> so, no, but no, but think think about how perfect it is. When you carve in, so the plaster sort of is risen, which is exactly the way type works, right? It's risen so that it then can be used to create an impression on the thing. So that's what they did. This was perfect. This was the way of publishing the Torah for all the nations. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Um, Oh well, damer said nak tam gzar dinam with their sharks. Ah, but ultimately so that sealed their, uh, you know, them into the uh, eternal uh, damnation or whatever. The, um, <laughs> it was so easy; they could have had the Torah and they had, you know, a printing press, an early printing press, and they didn't learn it. So that that sealed their their judgment. That's
2: a great fun by the way. <laughs> oh, I
0: didn't think about that. That's good. Oh, I didn't think about that. That's good. That's good. Okay, okay. Rabbi Shimon, oh Rabbi Shimon who challenged this, which now seems like a brilliant. Interpretation said, he wrote, they wrote it on top of the plaster, and he wrote underneath, that God is bringing you, know, you have to wipe out the Shilim Umos so that they shouldn't teach you, um, so you shouldn't learn from their deeds. And what that's going to translate into is, as, a, sort of, as an object lesson to the other nations, that they should learn. They now took this, and they took the Torah, they learned that the Shilim Umos. Like it's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So there's obviously some, uh, some, some. Anyway, the shemim almost took this, and the message wasn't just learned as abstract knowledge. I mean, that wasn't the message for Reb Yehudah as well, right? The message for him was you have, you should have learned it and followed it. But here, there was also a clear message. This is why they die. This is why we wiped them out. You know, you guys better learn. You know, what we didn't, now of course we didn't have a mitzvah to do that outside of Eretz Yisrael, but nevertheless there was sort of like that message. Apparently, according to him, this was his challenge. Before he realized, before Rebuta answered back that they sort of used it as a type of a printing press, he assumes, no, they did pull off the plaster, but that's why it has to be written on top of the plaster, not under the plaster. So he had it written on top of the plaster, and apparently they pulled off the plaster and they sent it to the non Either way, they're answering Charlie's question, which is, if it's Shivan lashon, what good does Shivan Lushon do if it's standing in Erich Right? If area they means for, for the Israelites, okay, there's the place where the Torah is written. You can go pilgrimage to that site and see it and so on. But it was for the Ummah Ha'olam. What good does it do? So one explanation was this type of a plaster that became a printing press. And the other explanation was they wrote it on top of the plaster and they pulled off the plaster and they sent the plaster to the, to, to the other nations. Okay. Um, Bar Barshila, where is it? Uh, my time is Rabbi Shimon. I'm sorry, I skipped the line. If they would have repented, they would have been accepted them, which means the way the Gemara is going to understand this is that even the Shivim Umos outside of Eretz Yisrael, if they would change their ways, if we ever go to war against them like we do outside of Eretz Yisrael, here's the question Do we have a mitzvah to destroy the Shivim? him umos in a war that we might happen to fight outside of Eretz Israel. so he said, "No, if they have mended their ways." Okay, um, now Mahayim Makabulino time does that mean we would accept them? They could actually convert. Um, this is probably the simplest shot But also one thing it just means is um, is what do you call it? Is that uh, we would not have to wipe them out? Rashi says we, they would even accept them if they would convert. Okay, I'm um, a rabba barshila. My time is Rabbi What's his reason to received? By you, I mean. Mr. Footseed, the nations will be, um, you know, like the the the, the burning of the uh, um, the the, of the, of the fire pits of the of, of plaster. Al iskisid because of the plaster, they should have learned from the plaster. And if not, that's why they are uh, going to burn in Gehenna. Reb Yehuda kisid no, just like plaster. So remember, Reb Yehuda said this was this this sealed their fate. So Reb Yehuda seems to feel the way the Gemara is reading it, or actually this might be a quote of Rabbi Yehuda that maybe even it's hard to understand that like um, that Ein Takana right seems to be referring to meaning it's funny on the one end the general non-Jews got it so that they should learn from it so you're not going to say Ein Takana for the general non-Jews and what was the point so it seems that the Gemara is, referring, is now creating this or there is this debate in terms of the Shivas Amamin that live outside of Eretz Yisrael okay that one that Rabbi Shimon says if the Shivas Amamin had learned from the Torah they would not have been wiped out and Rabbi Yudas says no the Shivazamim had no choice had no chance they were going to be destroyed without any they emlehem they, takana okay yes what Oh, Um, yeah, so Kusim, right, because Kusim is clearly, I should have stopped and said that, Kusim, Samaritans, I don't belong here, clearly it's talking about, it's, it's it's a, what do you call it, it's a censored word, but still, the question still is, Okay, okay. we be- better end. I'm going to get way distracted. Anyway, the sentence still is, the simple sense of, um, sh- the simple sense of umo would still be the non-Jews in general. Okay, but the alam ta'kana, oh, I can't do this. Okay, so we'll pick up with this idea tomorrow.